0: So when Raph asked me to preach, I told him that I'd been working on, uh, two preaches and one of them was on the gospel, which I uh, did last time. And then another one, I'm not allowed to tell you because he told me this time nothing controversial. So my second preach uh, got put on hold until I can make it slightly less controversial. And, uh, he asked me to do an overview on Philippians, the book of Philippians. Um, so Basically, you're going to get slight history lessons, slight preach, slight rambling. I mean, I've got some notes where I don't even know where it's going to go, but I'm just excited where the Spirit's going to lead me. Last time when I got up to preach, it took me about five minutes to get to my notes because I just went off on one. So let's go on a journey together this morning. Um, I'll just pray that God keeps everything in the, in the right direction. God, we just thank you for this morning. Um, we thank you for your word that it's just so readily available to us. We thank you that we can come together and learn from it. And uh, I just pray that you would guide me as I lead, as I preach, and I just pray that you will touch the hearts of the people who uh, you wanna touch with these words today, Lord God, that it'll be your words coming through me. In Jesus name I pray, amen. So you're gonna get the quick history first. Philippians, who were the Philippians? And why were they receiving a letter from Paul? So to start with that, I feel like it's necessary to take a step back and go well actually who was paul because some people might not know who paul was and paul was a, a gospel preacher for jesus and it's like well i mean maybe we need to step take another step back and go well you know who's jesus and then we need to go a step back and go well who's god and to answer that i'm going to go another step back to my last sermon and i've got a summary of it here which is the seven points i spoke on the gospel in one minute were 40. and so um, I'm going to give you the one-minute version. Obviously, I can't go through the whole talk again. But it was seven points that I felt were essential when you're sharing the gospel with people. And this is the kind of backgrounds that helps us to understand why Paul was writing to the Philippians. So point one is God is the creator. He created the universe, the world, and you. Our sin, the things that we do wrong, separate us from God. Jesus is the son of God. And as I said at the time, take my word for it on that. That's a bit of a complicated thing. Jesus died in our place of our sins. He paid the debt for us. All we need to do is accept Jesus that he died for us and accept him as your savior and you'll go to heaven. And if you choose not to, um, that's another task. Um, point six is repent of your sin. So it's confessing your sin and um, by repentance, we mean a 180 turn. It's changing your life around and going in a different direction. And finally follow Jesus. If anyone disagrees with any points there, that was the last talk and you missed your chance last time you should have come and taken issue with it. But for this week, that's what we've got. So Paul is an apostle of Jesus Christ. He was a Pharisee. And what that means is he was a strict teacher in the Jewish sect. So it meant that he was one of the most educated, most fundamental as we understand it. And so when he started to preach, or when Jesus started to preach, Paul was one of the people who saw him as a a heretic, someone who was preaching against his religion. But after a radical conversion, Paul became a Christian and he started to follow Jesus. The people that he used to put in prison, the people that he used to persecute, were the people he now helped. (laughs) What? He then was persecuted for the ministry himself. The faith that he'd brought on other people, he then brought on himself. and sentiently When he was in prison, he then wrote letters. There were four letters that were written, Ephesians, Colossians, Philemon, and Philippians. Now, for those with prior knowledge who knew all about Paul, if you were a church that was receiving a letter from him, you would have been excited. This was the guy who probably brought the gospel to your time. This was the guy who probably brought you Jesus, that your life was turned around, that you accepted Jesus as a result of his preaching. So to get a letter from Paul was a pretty exciting prospect. But again, as some of you may know, their faces would have dropped as they got into the letter. This is how I would sum up a letter from Paul. The first thing he says is, I thank God for you and I love you all so much. The second is, here's a wee bit of the gospel. It's a summary just to remind you of some of the points that you've maybe forgotten. Point three is, here's where you're getting it completely wrong. And that's the bit that would have stung and hurt. And then he would finish with a cheery, say hi to everyone for me. So the point here is, if you were someone if you were a church that was getting a letter from paul the church you would want to be is the church in Philippi, because they get what rick warren describes as the happiest letter in the bible rick wrote the purpose-driven life and he did a series on um the book of philippians called the habits of happiness and i'd recommend looking it up it's a great teaching so today what i'm going to do is i'm going to take some of the key verses from the book of philippians and talk about um, what we can learn relating to happiness. So today's talk is actually titled Philippians, the happiness letter, which is a bit of a clumsy title to say. Can you give me another one? Philippians, how to be happy, that sounds much better. So Paul isn't actually writing the letter trying to tell the Philippian church, here's how to be happy. It's just the joy that he has for this church results in verses for us that give us principles of happiness. My aim today, as the talk suggests, is what can we learn from this letter to be happier people? Now, there's a bit of a disclaimer here, first of all. I know for some people, hearing the words how to be happy is something that's an exciting prospect. If we could all just join in prayer for Jean, we've got good people here who know what they're doing who know how to look after her, so let's just pray Father God, I just thank you that you see us, you see everything that's happening here Lord, I thank you that your hand is on Jean now that you're protecting her, that you surround her. God, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would give her strength. Lord, I thank you for the people helping her, that they know how to help her and what's best for her. So God, may your spirit move and just bring peace in this place and to her. In Jesus' name, my friend. Thank you. So yes, my disclaimer here today is that this is rules or examples of how we can seek general happiness within our lives, okay? I wanted to say, I'm not a professional therapist, professional counselor, or a professional psychiatrist. And if I'm completely honest, I don't even know the difference between those titles. The other thing I want to say is that depression, anxiety, chronic stress, things like this are real. And they're things that you should seek help for. I'm not saying that the things we're gonna learn today are cures for those things. They're things that professionals can help you with. When we get sick, if we have a stomach problem and it goes on for a couple of days, we go see a doctor. And in the same way, if there's some way that we're feeling unhealthy, when it comes to our mental health, we should do the same. And I want to encourage you that we have good people in this church that can help you with those kind of circumstances. Um, Anne Louise is someone that you can talk to and I just want to say I'm offering her as someone that you can go to who can point you in the right direction. I'm not saying Anne Louise will be your counselor. I'm just saying she's someone you can talk to and she can point you in the right direction. The other thing to say then is Rick Warren says in his teaching that happiness is a byproduct It's not something that we choose to be. It's something that comes as a result of the things that we do. So you don't wake up and say, I'm going to be happy today. And then you're happy all day. It just doesn't work like that. But there are things we can do. There are attitudes that we can have that help contribute to our happiness and that the actions that we, um, that we have result in happiness. I just want to first of all share like a personal experience that I had in 2021 in the summer. Um, I was working for a company in Belfast, but I was working remotely here. Um, because I live in Magaliff, I'd requested that I start at 10 a.m. because there was no point in going to bed before 2 a.m. when you live in Magaliff. Even if you're a nice clean cut Christian like myself, it's too noisy. You know, you'll just about get to sleep and someone's gonna tip a whole load of glass bottles into a bin. <laughs> Around that time, I was then helping someone in particular and I was taking up a lot of my time at night and it meant that I was getting to bed quite late on top of that and still then getting up early for my job. After about a month, I was really depressed. I was the kind of person that was looking at it going, I don't have depression, but I'm just feeling depressed. And I kept trying to figure out, what is it? What's going on? Why am I depressed? And I have no idea at what point God revealed it to me, but it was just a bit of a whisper that maybe it's sleep depression, uh, deprivation. Maybe you need to sleep a bit more than four hours a night. So um, I'm the kind of person, that, if I'm honest, that nine hours is perfect for me. So four was definitely too much. But even so, with a bit of extra sleep, I'm still just not quite sure what's going on with me. There's still something not quite right. And so again, I turned to Rick Warren. Um, He's got some great teaching again online. So on YouTube, he had plenty of stuff. And one of the uh, preaches that I chose to listen to was on trusting God. And about 30 seconds into the preach, and I was working whilst doing it because I had kind of a mind-numbing, you know, laborious job that I could work whilst listening. 30 seconds into the preach, he said something just really casual. Like he didn't mean it to be a big point, but he said, you need to trust God. And I burst into tears for a good 10 minutes. My laptop's still open, the work's still there. And I was just crying, hoping a Zoom call didn't come in. So I'd gone to the, the problem where I was at at that point. And I've come to realize that at that point, I was trusting entirely on myself to be here, to be a missionary and and to support myself. I lost my job at the end of 2021. Well, my contract ended. And since then, it's been trust and faith ongoing. It's been freelance work when it comes in. I've had some support from friends. I've had some good work come in, but it's been all in God's grace and not me believing this is me doing what I need to do to make this happen. It was trusting in God. It's been a journey for me because it's a very difficult thing, especially when it comes to work, to just, sorry, I was just, made. just wait a moment. Amen. Not counted. now just want to assure everybody for for those who are worried um this this happened a couple of weeks well about a month ago with Jean as well and it was just a bit too much sun exposure maybe a bit of dehydration so we're believing that she's okay it's just a repeat of that, that occasion It's nothing nothing to worry about so i'll just pray again god i just thank you um Again, for your protection over Jane, Thank you for the people who are looking after her. And just pray again, this will have just been something like a bit too much sun, maybe not enough water and that your hand is on her and you'll keep her, her safe and healthy in Jesus name. Amen. So what I'm gonna do is share with you then some of the points that I take from Philippians myself on things that I do that I practice to try and, and be a happier person so we're gonna look first of all at Philippians one, verse three to six. In that Paul writes, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Should point out my talk is way too long. So I've got snippets from the, the, uh, the Bible verses. So some of them I'll read, some of them I'll skip your important verses up there. So being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ in Jesus. So I thank my God every time I remember you. I'm sorry to have to say this. It makes my skin crawl, but I'll just say it. It's about an attitude of gratitude. Forgive me for saying that, but yes. The important point though, is that unfortunately that is the work, the word that fits it best. It's about an attitude of gratitude. It's not about just being grateful when something good happens. It's about being aware of the things that you should be grateful for that you take for granted, waking up every morning, having somewhere to live, having food on the table, having friends, having work. These are all things we take so easily for granted. Two psychologists actually did uh, a study on this. I've got their names and their universities. If you want to know that, to you know, feel like you know the source is reliable, but, feel free to talk to me after. But they did a, a research study on gratitude, which again, what a great job! In one study, they asked all participants to write a few sentences each week focusing on particular topics. One group, they had to write what they were grateful for, what occurred in that week. A second group, their irritations daily and things that displeased them. And a third group just had to write events with no specific bias. No emphasis, no emphasis on it being positive or negative. After ten weeks, those who wrote with gratitude were more optimistic and felt better about their lives. They also exercised more. They had fewer visits to their doctors. And it was the complete opposite for the ones who focused on sources of their aggra- aggra- uh, aggravation. They weren't happier. Gratitude alone, just being thankful can make you a happier person. What a simple thing. And as Christians, we've got so much to be grateful for on top of the daily bread. And we'll come back to that, but Philippians 1 verse nine, or one verse eight says, "God can testify." How I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. So we'll come back to how Christ plays that part. Philippians 1 verse 12 to 14 includes, now I want you to know brothers and sisters that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. And what had happened to him was he was in prison. Now this wasn't the first time Paul was in prison. In fact, the church in Philippi was one of the places that he'd been in prison before and miraculously was freed from uh, captivity. The jailer who was at the event became a Christian and so did his whole family. So again, you can see why the Philippian church was a place that had a lot of joy when it came to Paul. But the important thing here is to shift your perspective on your circumstances. Paul wasn't sitting in prison going, woe is me. What have I done? I made a mistake that's put me here and now I can't freely preach the gospel. Paul was in prison and wrote half the New Testament. so he made the most of where he was. Paul's a great example of someone when we go, I'm too great a sinner. I can't be saved. And all I have to ask is, have you killed other Christians to stop them from being Christians? I assume most of you would say no to that question. Um, But the point is, what you've done probably pales in comparison. And similarly, we're all going through really tough circumstances. And I know for some of you, it's very difficult. And Paul was in a difficult circumstance. He was in prison again. You know, he probably, every time he got out thought, thank goodness God got me out, he wants me out, and then he's back in again. And life can be like that for us. Trauma that we have experienced in the past can come back to us, and it feels like we're in that prison again. So it's about how we deal with that trauma and how, what our um, focus is in that time. Chris talked about it last week, actually. And he said about when we're looking at our circumstances or when we're looking for advice, we're looking for what to do. He said, don't listen to the crowd. He said, don't even listen to yourself. Listen to God. What is God saying about this situation? And I can guarantee the first thing that God said to Paul when he got put in prison was, I'm still with you. God is still with you, no matter what you're going through. No matter what you've done, even. God is still with you. So moving on, again, this is a whirlwind tour of uh, Philippians. Philippians 1 verse 15. This is a bit of an aside, but it's just such a great point that I couldn't skip over it. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. As a missionary, I find that quite a challenging passage because it means that there's people preaching Christ out of false motives that are doing a better job than me when I'm not preaching Christ at all. You know, they might be doing it for selfish reasons, but Christ is being preached. It's just an aside. Let's just ensure ourselves as well in all circumstances that Christ has preached. When we talk about things that are going well, close friends of mine will respond all glory to God. We don't want to take credit for what we've done or what we've achieved because it's through God's strength that we got it. It's through his breath that we breathe in the first place to be able to do things. So in all things we do, we acknowledge God. And by doing that, we share Christ with others. We also rejoice and hope. Paul says... And because of this i rejoice yes and i will continue to rejoice and i eagerly expect hope that i will in no way be ashamed the word rejoice is used in philippians eight times whether paul saying i rejoice or commanding them to rejoice and rejoicing is simply to share joy to express joy Another great example of, it's like gratitude, it's something that when you give it, it has as much an effect on you as it does on the people that you share it with. And we need to express our joy and our victories. I mean, it's a common thing. When things are bad, we're like, why God, why? And when things are good, we're like, yay. Not yay, God. Just yay. So when we rejoice, when we have hope that is fulfilled, let's remember to express joy in our victories, and that God promises a hope for the future. Philippians 1, then, verse 27, says, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit. So again, this comes on from the last point that I was making that we need to represent Christ. Some of you may have worked for companies or usually it's in retail when they say, when you put on that shirt and it has our name on it, you represent the company. So if you're gonna go home, take the shirt off. Or if you wear it home, remember you're still representing the company. Revelation talks about us having God's name on our forehead. and I love that as an illustration. And I wanna live every day of my life seeing that name on my forehead it's not something it's not a t-shirt i can take off it's something that i represent every day i want to represent christ in everything that i do and this is another source for joy for us because of what christ did for us like our response to that is joy is happiness he saved us and when we represent him we show that we are saved people that our lives have been changed by the grace of God. And one of the most important points, and it's something that we're facing today in the world, is that you need to shed your own concept of your identity. Again, I come back to what Chris said. It's not what the crowd tells you. It's not even what you think about yourself. It's about what God thinks about you. And that is the only source you should look for your identity. Cause he created you. He's the one who knows what your purpose is. He's the one who knows what your true identity is and everything that comes at you can hurt that. I've even been challenged on my identity based on my past church experience. I've only gone to good churches and I would recommend them to everyone, but certain things that I've taken on from those churches can actually change my identity from the truth of who God wanted me to be. Maybe they needed me to be a specific thing. For example, I was an intern manager in one church, and so I needed to be a teacher of young adults. And so for that year, that was what part of my identity was. But maybe I let it become who I am or shape my identity too much, and not just on who God wanted me to be, but what was expected of me from that job. Because there are expectations and there's things that we have to do, but it doesn't have to become our identity. Paul says in uh, chapter two, verse three to four, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. There's your identity in Christ. To not be selfish or do things in vain conceit, but to look out for the interests of each other. And that's a hard step for some people. Some people have had tough relationships where they've looked out for the other person and they haven't reciprocated. And that's not the way it's supposed to be, but that can hurt you. That can live with you. And that can mean that you do the same with other people. It's hard to help other people because you're expecting, I'm not going to get anything back, but in the body of Christ, we work to help each other. Knowing that we're going to get help ourselves, not that we're doing it to get that help but just with that security and that safety that we're all in it together. But I will say, don't forget to look after yourself. We look out for the interests of each other, but we need to be strong people in ourselves. And I went through a period of helping people a bit too much and not looking after myself. And I remember so clearly having a day where I was like, right, I need to look after myself. What do I do? And I honestly didn't know the answers to the question because it had been so long since I took care of myself. I ended up taking a holiday. I had two days on the east coast of the island. I couldn't afford anything more. I had no schedule. I said to my, my friend in Oxford, I'm sick I'm gonna leave my laptop behind. And that just shows how far I'd gone where I said, I think I'm gonna leave my laptop behind. That should have been a given. And I had two days of prayer, meditation, on the word, seeking God, scrolling through Instagram. The point was I had nothing to do. I had nowhere to be. I just had space with myself and God. And that's something that we really need to work on. That's the best way you can look after yourself on top of eating well, exercise, good friendships. Philippians 2 is a tough one. So verses 14 to 15, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. What happens most often when we read things like this is we take it as you can never be negative about something. You can never point out fault but the aim is to become children of God without fault. And how can we do that unless we do deal with the faults? So it's about your heart attitude. When something goes wrong or when someone does something wrong, do you grumble about it to them, to someone else? Or do you try and deal with it? Do you argue about it? Or do you try and find resolution? Again, this is something that I know that I'm guilty of, especially grumbling. It's very hard not to, especially when it's something that someone has done many times. The grumbling starts very quickly. But all that does is perk my soul and it becomes a part of who I am. I am a grumbler and I'm not dealing with the situation. I'm making myself feel worse about it and I'm not fixing anything. So again, it's about an attitude of how you deal with things. So we're flying through. Is everybody still with me? Yep, yep. Okay, six people, that's good enough. <laughs> Our next one is Philippians 2, verse 19 to 20. Now, I'm sure you're all worrying. How many chapters are there actually in Philippians when we're only on chapter two at the moment? But don't worry, um, I skip three and four a good bit because again, Paul likes to say hi to his friends at the end of his letters. So Philippians two, nineteen to 20. He talks about Timothy, and I'm gonna sort of skip bits of it here. He hopes to send Timothy. He says, I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare, for everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Christ. But do you know that Timothy has proved himself? My goodness, I would love someone to say something like that about me. So this point is be useful or reliable and or reliable. No, and, yeah, let's go with both. Be useful and reliable. I have no one else like him. I mean, that's possibly the highest praise someone could get from Paul the Apostle, who wrote half the New Testament. I have no one else like him. I recently uh, was struggling with my work attitude um, it always came last. Um, and so I would always make myself feel better. Well, you know, the mission comes first. Church is a part of that. And then if I have to work to get money to feed myself, that's okay, because I'm doing the right thing. I wasn't doing the right thing. My time management, everything was out the window. So I have a, a notebook, which I've written daily prayers. Um, which are a bit too personal to share all of them, but I will say that the one I wrote two weeks ago was starts with god i need help with my work ethic and one of the things that i wrote in that prayer is that i am not working for people i'm working for god even if it's a client who's given me a website to make when i'm building that website i'm doing it to the glory of god i'm not doing it to the glory of that client everything we do we need to do with that attitude of that we're doing it for the glory of god And that was the thing that I needed to do. And I imagine if I do things with that standard, I could have someone say, I have no one else like him. And again, it's not about what I want or how I feel about myself. It's about them and how I've helped them and their gratitude towards me. I'm then going to feel good because they feel good about their gratitude. And then the happiness just spreads everywhere. It's great. So let's try and be like Timothy. Let's try and be like someone who would say, I have no one else like him. Similarly then in uh, Philippians 2 verses 25 to 30, I've given you 29 to uh, 30 here. So then this is of Epaphroditus, who was another missionary with Paul. Welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. The important point here then is to support those who serve you. Paul says, receive Epaphroditus with joy, not just be like, it's great. You're back So receive him with joy. And where did joy come from? It was rejoice. So when you try to think, how do I receive someone with joy? Think of the word rejoice. What does it look like to rejoice? When we think of rejoice, I mean, for me, it was the Christmas song. I can't remember it, but, Rejoice, Rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to the O Israel. That one. I, really, I, was, I was annoyed because it was a Christmas song and we're in the middle of June. But um, it just made me think of, like, the, the place I've most heard that would be in a more traditional church with a choir bringing the house down. And I hope for a lot of people, that's what comes to mind for you. Think of that joy, the sound of that, like lifting the roof. That's what it is to rejoice. So when you receive someone, show them that kind of joy. And I want to honor someone actually this morning, because I think they're a great example of it. And it's Steffi. There she is everywhere there. Everyone, look. I've volunteered a lot with Steffi in many different things. And at the moment, the main thing is um, with her mission to the women in Magaluf. And as I was writing this talk, I thought to myself, I can't think of one time I have not felt appreciated by Steffi. She has always been so joyful in her work and so happy. And it's when I show up and it's when I leave. And I'm, I'm one of these people who, you know, if you invite me around for dinner, I'll say thank you at some point and be like, I've ticked the box. And then my mom will go, did you thank those people for having you around for dinner? And I'm like, yeah, I thanked them when I was there. And she's like, text them again, call and write them a letter, show them actually you know, more gratitude, more thankfulness. And for Steffi, that just comes natural with her, you know? She's probably not gonna be really self-conscious about it before I the night. But like I said, she's always happy when I show up and she's always happy at the end. And it's the joy of what she's doing, but it's her supporting those, her serving her. So that's the main uh, seven points I wanted to make. The next seven. Thanks, Holly. (laughs) No, I only have one more point to make. (laughs) You can do all these things and I'm annoyed at myself. I noticed halfway through that I didn't have a nice slide with a summary of them all. So I'm just going to have to go through my notes to uh, reiterate them. But first of all, we had gratitude. And it's an attitude of gratitude. It's something we need to work on. If you want to start today, feel free to come and thank me for the talk. That would be great. Second was to shift your perspective. And I wanna be really clear about this. It's not having an unrealistic perspective. It's shifting your perspective. It's acknowledging what's truly happening, but looking at it from God's perspective and saying, what can she do about it? Not what can I do about it? Next up was rejoice and have hope. Represent Christ. In the middle there there was have a holiday. Don't grumble or argue. Be useful and reliable and support those who serve you. So as I said, in 2021, I was having a tough time. And I was a Christian at the time. And I remember Googling what I needed to do. Read your Bible more. Okay. Well, I'm reading four chapters a day, so that can't be it. Pray more. I'm setting aside half an hour every day. That can't be it. Worship more. Okay. Maybe that was the kind of thing I could have done a bit more. But all the things that I was finding, trying to encourage me to feel better about myself, were all the things that I was already doing. And that's why today's talk is actually called Philippians. I'm a Christian, so why am I not happy? Thankfully, Paul has the answer as well. In Philippians 3, verse 7 to 11, that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. Now the answer to the question, I'm a Christian, why am I unhappy? It's not that you're experiencing sufferings because we've been promised that. We're going to experience that in life as Christians. So all the other points that I've made are things that can help us. Sometimes you know it's from a psychological perspective. If you go to a shrink, excuse me, that's derogatory terms. If you go to someone for your mental health, a lot of the things that I've said you'll find Um, they'll say the same things. The, uh, The study on gratitude was a secular study. So what is it that sets us apart? What do we have? And that's that we focus on Jesus. Philippians 4, verse 11 to 13, Paul says, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. And this is where I have a confession for you. You've heard me mention Rick Warren quite a few times in this talk. And I was talking to someone else from a different denomination about idolatry. And when I was trying to convince them against idolatry, I realized I had one in my own life. Rick Warren, the fantastic preacher that I still recommend that you should definitely go see, like watch his talks online had become an idol for me and how I knew it was because I said to this person I can't start my day without listening to a Rick Warren talk now again, I'll, I'll have justified that to myself as I'm listening to something about God it's a preach, of course it's good but I can not start my day without it it wasn't I can't start my day without Jesus. It was I can't start my day without Rick Warren. Poor Rick. I hope he never finds out. It's the last thing you want as a preacher to become the person that they worship and not Jesus. And he has done, I would say, from all the things I've watched, nothing for me to have made him my idol. So as the song says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. So, in chapter four, Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And he wants to make his point, so he says, I will say it again Rejoice. Now, that's the eighth time he's used the word rejoice. So what he says again, he really means it. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There's the whole talk summed up for you. Don't be anxious. Prayer and petition, that's about, petition means keep praying, pray and keep praying. It's about your attitude with thanksgiving of gratitude. Present your requests to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in the person we're to focus on, Christ Jesus. Now, I'm going to break my rule. I was trying to stick in Philippians. But 1 Peter 5, 7 also says, Cast all your anxiety onto him because he cares for you. He loves you. And he wants to help you. He wants you to be happy, even in your sufferings. Again, I just want to reiterate, Jesus wept when his friend died. He sweat what was like drops of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. His life wasn't easy all the time. In fact, a lot of it was tough. So there are times that you're going to struggle. But when he prays, when he was really at his worst, well, he was praying. He was praying to his God and he was saying, your will be done, not mine. And Psalm 55:22 says, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. So we have the old Testament and the new Testament telling us, give it to God. I really promise I'm wrapping up now. I'm reading, I just finished a book actually, and I'm reading a second book by a guy called John Eldridge. And he talks about something called the one minute pause. And he said, no matter how busy your day is, you can spend one minute of it with Jesus. And he said the way he did it was when he got home from work, he drove into the driveway, he sat in his car for one minute, spent time with God, knowing I've finished work. It's not gonna make a difference. And it's not gonna make a huge difference to the family if I'm one minute later coming into the house so I can spend time with God. And it's a quick encouragement, however busy your life is, whatever you're going through, One minute is nothing. To illustrate that point, while I've got you all here and you aren't at work, you aren't doing other things, we're going to have a one minute pause. Um, Holly, if you'd come up. Um, She's just going to have a a bit of music in the background while we do this one minute. I'm going to pray while we do it. I'm just going to say two or three things. In your heart, feel free to pray them, um, repeating them. But this is all it takes. This is all it takes to shift your focus, to get you back to thinking these points, how do I be happy? to cast everything away. Because the first thing that uh, is part of the one minute pause is to give everything and everyone to Jesus. So we're gonna take a minute here and I'll pray and feel free to join in in your heart if you wish. Jesus, I give everything and everyone to you. I give everyone and everything to you, God. God, let your peace that transcends all understanding guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. One minute pause. How easy was that? I encourage you to bring that into your daily life. And the most important point is, when we give everything to Jesus, we can literally give everything to him. And then we ask with wisdom, what do I need to take up again? There's things that you need to deal with and there's things that he'll hand to you, but he'll hand it back to you. He won't put it back on your shoulders like the weight that it was. So release it completely to Him and take back what the things that you need to deal with. And He'll do it with gentleness and grace because His yoke is easy and His burden is life. So we're done. I've run out of pages. We're gonna have some worship now. Holly's gonna lead us in two songs. Um, The first one is gonna be a reflective one to help us to focus on Jesus. And the second one is gonna be a song of celebration. And I'm not gonna come up for my Jerry Springer final thought at the end. That will be the end of the service. So what I'm gonna encourage you is, when the second song finishes, show God some gratitude, clap, cheer, whatever you feel comfortable with. And once you've done that, hug the person you came with, shake the hand of a stranger, show joy to each other. Let's rejoice together. Thanks for